Hello and welcome back to The Back Pocket, the podcast that this week was told that they didn't do anything wrong, and then they did do something wrong, and then they didn't do anything wrong, and then they were fined $5,000 and they were very confused. I'm financially ruined. It's, it's, it's been pretty bad. Yeah, this podcast pays nothing. In fact, it costs a lot of money. <laughs> I am Jack Turner and I'm joined once again with Alistair to talk about the uh, events of the week in the AFL and particularly what happened down back. Yep, round eight. Unround. I watched all of it. It was... It was <laughs> It was actually some interesting games, results I did not expect, um, especially results that I didn't expect happening within games. I think that's uh, good. I enjoy it when things aren't predictable. Yeah, um, like I, I, there was no way I expected Port to win that game. Um, the way Sydney came back to level at three-quarter time, mm-hmm. I thought they'd run over Gold Coast and they couldn't. Um, there was just a lot that happened this week that kind of surprised me. I like being surprised when it's not my team. Except for Melbourne, just winning and winning and winning. And just playing two quarters a of a game boring. every week and winning by five or more goals. Um, yeah, they're just good, aren't they? They're, <laughs> Too good. They're really good. Um, and then the adverse of that was there were a few teams that won by a lot, and if you watched the game, you were like, oh, I probably should have won by more. Mm. I think Geelong, Brisbane and Frio all had wins that were huge wins, but you're like, ah. Oh. Probably add Carlton to that too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I get, there is a bit of preservation in some of those, though. Oh, There's no point going players four going off four quarters. Um, absolutely, especially with um, teams that are already injury injury riddled. Like obviously Brisbane to a lesser extent, mm-hmm. but the other three, Geelong, yep. Fremantle, and Carlton, all had a lot of outs. Um, yeah, and ones or safety players. When you've got players like Brayshaw at Frio and Stewart just spending half of the last quarter on the bench, it's queuing the rack. Yeah, why wouldn't you? Absolutely. Um, so, do you want to jump right into it? Do you want to do special mentions first again? Uh, yeah, we'll both do our honourable mentions. Uh, it's a bit weird, but it's how it works. Um, first honourable mention goes to the rising star of the round. Uh, Heath Chapman didn't get a vote from me, but yep. uh, he's he's really solid down back for Freeman. It was a big part of the reason why they're doing so well. It was about time um, he got mm. a rising star mm. nom. I think that I, I've, I've talked about it to you off air, that mm-hmm. like, the best game to play as a small backman this year is against North. Um, yep. like the runoff halfback that players have been getting this year is incredible I think we gave votes to Tui the week that Shalong played them yeah, we, we gave votes to Saad the week that Carlton played them yeah like, we did <laughs> every time someone plays they're going to get votes because the running the running game that has let teams have is incredible and obviously you have to play a good game to do it but um, we'll talk players. a little bit more about that later I've got some north on the agenda yep. um, another honourable mention to Darcy Byrne-Jones played a really good game for yeah court. really good. He's, good he's not really been cited too much this year from us but uh, good to see yeah. him coming back into some yeah, form definitely. I really like him as a footballer mm-hmm. um, Port look a bit more like themselves the last few weeks they're slowly getting their players back which is what's important a fit Robbie Gray a fit, this week. a fit uh, Alira Lear it really helps and Dixon will be huge to their Absolutely. potential going yep. forward um Rough to get only an honourable mention, but Sam Doherty, um, he's continuing yeah, to be one of the best again. half-backs in the league this year. Imagine coming back from almost two straight years out with injury and just stepping in. Yep, pretty much. And uh, Powell and the Gold Coast. Um, I don't think he got a vote um, a couple of weeks ago when he played Carlton, um, but he's looked really, really good down back um, for them all year. Uh, and I think he's, again, like most Gold Coast sons, completely underrated by it's, everyone. It is a team that's ignored by the media. It took... Tuke Miller having last year to be mm-hmm. recognised, and he'd been playing great football for years before yep. that. Um, there's just so many players up there. Connor Ballard was on my special mentions mm-hmm. this week. He's been great all year. Yep. The team that he and Collins formed down back is mm-hmm. just so rock solid. Um, Nathan Brawl, going to my special mentions again. Yep. He had votes most of the week, but his second half, he wasn't really needed, but his second half wasn't as big as his first. Um, special mention to his uh, engagement party. Oh, yeah, but for knocking out half of West Coast. <laughs> <laughs> That was good. Richmond players are totally fine to be there, though. That's no, yep. no worries with that. Just West Coast. 
Um, ben Mackay, I feel like he's going to get so many honourable mentions this year because it's really hard to give a player votes yep. when they get demolished. But he was mm-hmm. so good again. He um, is a fantastic really good football. backman. And it's something, and like comparing him to his brother, he's really quick on the ground ball. He is. Um, and it's probably because he doesn't have as many uh, back injuries. But, man, he's very quick to get things on the boot. I was worried about his knee when mm. he got hit again, but he came back out and he played out the game. He probably had a, you know some cream or a jab put on or something, and yep. he was fine. Um, Patrick sure. McCartan. Uh, play definitely his game of the year. Do we go Patrick or Paddy? Paddy, Patrick? Oh. <laughs> Who knows? P. McCartan. P. McCartan, uh, no <laughs> votes. Um, he was great, though. He um, His brother had a down game. I think he was injured for part of it as well. Mm. He stepped in, played the best game I think he's ever played. Yep. Um, showed almost what he promised. Yep. If he could play like that every week, he'd be brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really good. Um, and then Sam DeConing uh, is okay. in my honourable mentions okay. again. I really thought he was going to get the Rising Star this week, but somehow it kind of slipped my mind that Chapman hadn't yet because yep. he'd been playing but such it, good football. Again, it should not be based on body of work. It's, it's, it's the, the round. Week. Yes, the absolutely. Round. Um, but yeah, I thought he was really good again. He's yep. just playing. For a player who's played as few games as he has, to be playing as a key and playing as well as he is is really incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah, outrageous. But uh, I'll let you go with your one vote. Yep, uh, one vote I am giving to Lewis Young from Carlton. Yep. Uh, it's taken a few weeks. But he's, really really, game. he's really formed a good partnership with Weedering now. And even though Adelaide have been horrible going inside 50, and especially so on the weekend, um, I definitely think it was his best game for the club. He had 10 marks, 7 intercept possessions, 100% game time, and 100% disposal efficiency. Um, and he's looking more and more like a steal considering the Bulldogs key position crisis at the moment. It's what it's I think they would give to get him back. They've just got this team of midfielders. And yep. look, I can't blame them for picking up Trelaw when they did because yep. he was basically steak knives. But they've just given themselves this issue where they've got a stacked midfield mm-hmm. and then it's with Easton Wood out and mm-hmm. with uh, Josh Bruce out. Keith's down just in, Yeah, Keith's a huge one. That's probably their biggest loss. They just look so uh, small around they the ground. They really are. And um, it was really on show on against the weekend. Port- and, they made, and not this is not a discredit to Finlayson, um, but he <laughs> looked uh, like a world beater. He looked incredible. He was marking anything that came yeah, near him ridiculous. because everyone I can't was playing on him how 10 centimetres smaller. If Dixon played. Yeah. Um, they also caused themselves harm by putting Cordy, who's been their makeshift fullback all year, up forward to tag Aaliyah, which did take Aaliyah out of the game, but it also meant they had no keybacks. It was weird. But uh, back on Lewis Young was a really good game and I would like to give him more votes, but I cannot. Yeah, I, I didn't get him in. I did yeah. obviously watch that game most of it with you. He played really well. We were complimenting him almost all game for the way he was reading the play. Starting to come up the ground mm-hmm. and have more confidence in his game, which I think is important. Yep. Especially as someone who played as a ruck and a forward in, in junior footy. It can take a um, moment. He knows adjust. he's got that play in him. He just had to mm. yeah, find that confidence to move up there. And I think that's why forwards and rucks generally make such good backs because yep. they know how to make that movement. But... My one vote went to someone who we gave a special mention a couple of weeks ago, um, Mason Redman. Ah, oh, I, I was very close to sneaking him in this week. After we, you know, last week said about how good he'd be in a good team, all it took was for Ridley to not play, for mm. Mason Redman to just play a brilliant game. He had 27 touches, which I think is a career high for him. That's a lot for a player who plays the kind of football he does. 577 metres gained yeah. playing as a halfback. That yeah. is a wild game. Um, that he held them together until they made that last quarter charge. Like if he hadn't been playing, they would have been so far down that there was no coming back. Like they did. Um, yeah, just I think it's the best game I've ever seen him play. I've always liked Redman. I've always thought he's been a bit of one of those players like um, that you like their effort, but they're not quite putting it all together. Yep. And if he and Ridley can combine to do that role together, that would be great. Um, but we'll 
have to wait and see whether Essendon can pull that together. Yeah, no, I absolutely get that. But it was good to see. Very promising for Essendon, whose backline has been a big issue for them this year. Um, so I guess I'll go with my two, who you mentioned earlier. Uh, Sam DeConing gets two from me. Okay. Um, he robbed. He should have been the rising star. Uh, his game was brilliant. Um, um, based on this week, he should have had it. Um, the stats speak for themselves. He had eight marks, seven intercepts, um, and is becoming a really good get-out-of-jail kick for yeah, Geelong because yeah. of his height. So a lot of his possessions you'll see are around the top of the 50 because he's being that first kick out um, from whoever's taking the kick in, whether it's Tui or whoever, Stuart. Um, his marking and spoiling game, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when I think he got one vote, mm. is just he knows when to do both at the right yeah. time. Um, and when he spoils, it always seems to go to a Geelong player or himself. He just has that presence of mind that a very rare backman has that mm. just looks great on a footy field. Um, and that stat that uh, Anthony Hudson read out mid-game so that game, he's got contested. the most defensive 50 contested marks yeah. in the AFL. That's insane. Is he an eight-gamer? Yeah, eight games. Yeah. Seven of them this year. Just. Well, you stole what I was going to say about him earlier, but he really looks so short down back, yeah. and it's come on. he's come on really quickly, and he's only 21. Yeah. Playing key defence. Hugely promising. Um, and it allows Blixiles to play around the ground. Which, which has been fantastic. Despite the fact, that, I, <laughs> <laughs> despite the fact that I've, I've always maintained Blixiles is a better backman. Um, I and he, think this year's proven you I wrong. I think it's wrong. Yeah, he's he's since he's been playing on the wing and in the ruck, just he's been dominant. He's been their most influential player yeah, for the last three weeks. Leading the rising, uh, sorry, the best the rising star. The rising star. Oh, he's a smoky. <laughs> <laughs> he's an outsider. He'd be leading the best and fairest pretty comfortably, I reckon. Um, especially considering a lot of those main players have had ins and outs in the team. Um, I think so. I think well, obviously we had a bit of an issue with Tom Stewart last year, but he was still getting coaches votes. Brad so Close. he'd probably be right up there. Brad Close, obviously. Tom my Atkins favorite from Geelong like a team player, votes. So. Yeah. Talking about Backman. Atkins has been really good, but yeah, Blake Sars is just playing incredible yeah. footy. Um, back on topic, my two went to Stephen May. I ummed and oh, on this one all week because same. I gave you. Are you giving two to. No, no, no. no, no I Arnard. gave two yeah, to yeah. My, I watched that game and my immediate thought live was how good he was mm-hmm. watching the game. And then the more I thought about it, I looked at the stats, I went, oh, was he that good? But then I thought about it, yes. He kept King to four touches. Stats aren't always... He kept King to four yeah. touches. He's having 20 a game most weeks. It's I know he kicked two goals. One of them was from a free kick, though. If you keep someone as good as King to four touches and have the rebounding game he had, you've played an amazing game of football as a defender. Mm. Um, he's, I, uh, he's very clearly an All-Australian lock at this point. Um, that's my note on him. <laughs> Practically an All-Australian lock after eight rounds. He's um, just... And he's just playing such consistent... Good football. He yeah. had one down week against Hawthorne. They kind of picked him off specifically, and I'm shocked yep. St Kilda did not do the same. Um, Membry is the right kind of player to do it, but uh, they just didn't yep. have um, it in them or only wanted to play their style. I'm not quite sure. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he's great. I don't have him in my votes at all. I probably should, but... It was close. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. It's too many defenders. <laughs> um, so I guess I'll go with my three, and this one seems low, um, mm. but Angus Brayshaw... Yep, Had he a, didn't didn't make it into mine. He and May were my swapping. Yeah, um, most of the week I did very similar. He I just, he played probably about a quarter of the game I think on the wing, and that was my deciding vote for it. He played most of it off half back, but he did shift up a few times. Yeah, I feel like that was actually when he played worse in the game. Um, I'm specifically mentioning my notes here. He had a few turnovers, um, but they were all forward of centre. Yep. So that was probably when he was playing wing, um, but for the time he did spend down back, it was pretty much the perfect rebounding defence game. Um, and I reckon he's a complete coach's dream. Um, wherever you tell him to play, he will play and he will destroy the position, whether it's wing, midfield, down back. 
Um, and I think he, he kicked a goal, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, so he yeah. can play forward Re- as well. Reinvents himself <laughs> this year again. Um, like every year it seems to be people talking about, you know, does he still have a spot in this Melbourne side mm-hmm. with the star midfield they've got? And then you had the back line coming on like it was last year and he's moved down there. Is that his place? Yes, it is. He's yeah. just playing brilliantly. I don't... Uh, there's, um, he should be in the side. It doesn't matter where you have Tomlinson to play Tomlinson come back mm-hmm. last week in the VFL. He's going to struggle to play in the AFL side. And last year he was just the half-back flank for them. Yeah, um, until he got injured. Until he got injured. And obviously the rest is history. And now Bowie's the <laughs> most <laughs> successful like percentage game rate player of all time. But um, it's just going to be hard to squeeze him out of that spot because he's just made it his own. I think the important part about Melbourne being as good as they are is players like Brayshaw and Viney completely buying in, yes. like playing out of position. Viney used to be their number one mid, and then slowly he has been pushed back to three, possibly four. Yep. Um, Brayshaw got moved Really just does the grunt work now. Yeah, they've yep. just been outclassed, and to their credit, they haven't gone elsewhere. They've bought in and played team football, and that's what clubs want. Yep. And I'm sure Simon Goodwin's very happy with that. My number three is really funny considering your earlier statements. It is it is Heath Chapman. Um, <laughs> obviously rising star this week. Yep. Um, he had 20, 25 touches at 92%. It's mm-hmm. pretty good. Um, 12 of those were intercepts. Um, I know we talk up how players play against North, but I just you've still got to play that well, and he really did. Um, and all of those were, you know, back half. Like, I know your Jordan Clarks and those who played in the back line moved up the ground with it, mm-hmm. whereas he was really playing that, you know, chop-out role. Yep. Um, you know, kick, he was, if there was a kick-across goal for the switch, it was him. If there was someone running up the ground and kicking it, you know, almost up to the next 50, it was him. He just played a, he, He's another one that for the number of games he's played, which I think is about 9 or 10 now, he looks so experienced, um, like, beyond what anyone expected. Especially the few games he played last year, he seemed kind of unassuming. Yeah, um, there wasn't a lot about Fremantle. They were okay last yeah. year. And this year, he's just that obviously had a good preseason, mm-hmm. has come on in spades, just playing yep. great footy. Um, and obviously, spoiler of the century, so... Yeah, no, that, that, that helps. <laughs> it's hard because, and this is why I've been struggling with my votes, playing against North, playing against West Adelaide, Coast, playing against West Coast, it's hard to give yeah. out high votes. Well, Marcus Adams didn't get a vote for me this week and not yeah. at Harris Andrews because they played West Coast. Yeah. And they're in a shambles. Wet. They didn't really have yeah. to... Uh, and Andrew's got coaches' high. votes, I think, but it's just, it was just hard to mm. justify it. Um, so I think it's me on four. You on four. Uh, Give four votes to Noah Bolter. Same. Same? He was Easy. my four. His first half was outrageous. He really showed Darcy Moore how to play loose. My, <laughs> my notes are, did everything Moore couldn't? Yeah, the other pretty end. much. Um, all year I've been kind of concerned he was going to spend too much time up forward, but Richmond, look... So much better when he's down He's back. such a rock for them. Uh, I can't believe... And I know Rebolt was out for a bit. I can't believe they even swung it. Yeah. I know he was picked up as a utility, but as soon as Rance went out and he went into that spot, he looked at home, he looked strong It was and instant, stable. wasn't it? Instant. And for, he was one of those ones. You're like, how has this bloke only played one season of football? Yep. Um, and then they move him out, and it, it, they looked shaky. Yeah. Um, and they've looked better since he's been back. They've won two out of the last three. Yeah, not just due to him. They've gotten some better players back. Um, yeah, absolutely. Cameron McIntosh. And, and the back line's mostly back together. Yeah. Um, which helps Blossom, them. obviously. Yeah, Blossom We've said many times. Um, but, yeah, I, I think and that, I'm, obviously, having Vlossen abroad in there has really helped, does help players like Bolter. But mm. he played a great game. Um, Fantastic. Yeah. Um, was it nine intercepts? And the thing I liked the most is pretty much all of his disposals were within 30 metres from goal. Yes. Um, he is just a wall. Just stayed back there, just, filled in that hole. Yep. Uh, amazing. Um, I don't know how many kickouts he took, so a couple of those It wasn't, it wasn't too many because uh, he's not the long kicker, so you give that to one of your, like Dayton Short takes yep. a lot of those. That's where he gets most of his backline disposals. 
Um, and people somehow put him in their uh, team of the week as a backman every week, despite the fact that he started at the centre bounce and attended 50% of them this week. Yeah, wasn't he second or third in the centre bounce attendance? Yeah, he was their equal yeah. third most centre bounce attendances this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and loads of teams had him as their half-back or back pocket. Oh, well. Um, uh, what was your five votes? I reckon it's going to be the same. I hope so. Uh, Sam Collins. Sam Collins. Sam Collins. What a game. Um, we, we gave five equally to Phil Davis earlier this year mm-hmm. for just smothering Buddy. Same thing. Collins gets it again. Um, do you ever watch a player and just go, fuck, I wish he was at my Oh, Collins. absolutely. <laughs> Collins is a dream fullback. He, he's an old-style fullback. He would have he, stopped a player, spoil everything, yeah. physical, didn't have that many touches, but it doesn't matter when you That's play a game was, like he did. Exactly what I was going to say. It's not about the stats this week. This is all on effort and determination. And, but when, even when you break down the stats... He only had 10 touches, mm-hmm. but nine of those were kicks. Mm. The only one that missed the target was the under-pressure handball. So all of those kicks were straight Shouldn't to the target. And he had six intercepts from 10 disposals. Yep. And then just, I think it was like something ridiculous, like 10 spoils for the game. He just, what a ridiculous game of football. I think it's really important for Gold Coast to have a couple of players that are playing with heart and soul. Yep. And Collins is number one for me, showing that every week. Like, if you see him fail in a contest, he's mad at himself. Yes. And he, he, I don't see him remonstrate with team, teammates no. too much, yeah, he's, but he's always got a frown on his face because he knows he could do better when he does do poorly. And this week, um, and again, again, in the Carlton game, yeah. same with Powell, fantastic. Their whole back line is looking really good as a unit. It's looking solid. Um, I kind of wish Lukosius was down there, but I understand their needs. It's a weird role he's playing. <laughs> um, a couple of weeks ago, I remember seeing it, and I was like, where's he been? Then he had that shot on goal. It was his second disposal. Yeah. What's going on? It's, it's a strange one, but uh, sometimes you need... A link um, up for And I'm, I'm pretty certain, and I'll see it when we put it on the website, um, pretty much as this goes live, but I'm pretty certain that takes him to top for the votes. And yeah, he deserves sure. it. He, yeah. is, he and May, which will probably be the top two after this week's votes, mm-hmm. are the best two in the AFL currently for key defence, I think. Um, and there's some stiff competition for that. There really but is. But they're playing such good football. Collins is just consistent this year. I think the first few weeks we were both like, oh, yeah, you know, he was in the special mentions. And then he's just risen. And it's especially good to see... Players like Collins and May, Weedering and Sicily do really well in this, you know, competition that we're doing um, yeah. when it's probably one of the best years for key forwards in years and years and years. Yeah. Um, and it's good to see that, you know, every week we're not just picking the rebounding defender because there are games from Collins and Bolter and... Yeah, and that's what I... I, I try and make sure that, like, it is a... Um, because that's the thing that doesn't get the recognition. I think that's the most important mm-hmm. thing and why we talked about this in the first place is those players who play a really good defensive game that sacrifice their own game for yep. the team. That's what you want to recognise from a backman. And that's what Collins does week in, week out. Um, you don't need him to have many touches when he just completely takes someone like Buddy out of the game. Yep. I don't I don't have the list in front of me, but I'm willing to say majority of the top five are keys. Yeah. It would be Davis, Weedering, May, Collins... Sicily, yeah. probably. Sicily, I think Stewart's around the mark after a couple of good games. But I think yeah. GR would be highest after that. Yeah. So, I'm like, gonna, it's yeah. it's mostly keys, and then even Sicily, who does rebound a bit, still plays a lockdown role when he needs to. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I just... That Collins game was brilliant, um, which I watched, I even... <laughs> I was, wow. when, I was, when I was writing the, um, the weekly turnaround this week, I made a joke about how I listened to the... Collingwood-Richmond game on the radio before going home to not watch that game because the Sydney Gold Coast game was on. And, and that was that's, what I did. That's and rare. The Sydney Gold Coast game was probably not the game I expected to want to watch, but that was the good game. That was the one that was actually interesting. You've got to give Gold Coast credit. I didn't know about their John, John Longmire record. Yeah, since since May, since uh, Jew's been coaching them 4-2 at the SCG. It's a good record. Um, they're 4-4 overall. Like mm. They've only lost two games there ever. 
it's very strange. Um, Sydney two in a row at the SCG they've lost now, which is very rare for them. They lost to Brisbane there last week. Um, lost to that one can be forgiven. Brisbane's Brisbane very, very good. Top side. Um, they're <laughs> terrifyingly good. At I the just moment. think it's 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 begun from like round four. Everyone thought Sydney was a lock for top four. It's starting to. Yeah, like the, the the win over Geelong looked huge, but you mm. now you look back and you go, it was Buddy, it was Buddy Hale, wasn't it? Like, and since then, they've almost lost to North. Mm-hmm. They've lost to the Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. They've now lost to Brisbane. Obviously, is fine, and then lost to Gold Coast at home. Yeah. There's some really bad signs for a season. Like, Gold Coast looked like a reasonable team this year, but I think you can forgive losing to them at Metricon. Yes. But if you're losing to them at home and you're expecting to be a top eight, top four side, then you're probably not. I think Gold Coast can line up well on almost any side this year. Um, and I think at Metricon, despite, you know, having a poor record there overall, yeah. um, I think it's they're pretty dangerous. in the last few years. Yeah. Um, especially the starts of seasons. We just have and to see, because they're, what, three and five now. We have to are. see whether they... Yeah, well, they won in round eight this year, which is <laughs> it's usually round seven they make it to, but they had a worse start this year, so they've obviously turned around from there. We'll see. <laughs> um, I didn't find a Jobism this week. None for me. But BT did say... Um, you know you're scraping the bottom of the barrel when you're going for a BT quote. <laughs> he said that Georgiades plays a bit like a donkey, and I have no idea what he meant. I, I still... Is it because he carries a lot of weight? I don't know. Um... But it was minutes later that he yelled, and I've seen a lot of people post about it on the internet, coming, 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 yeah, coming, coming, not quite. Um, <laughs> Dwayne had a few on the weekend too. Yeah, he's, he's, he's the tr- worst. Oh, just bizarre <laughs> for it. Um, but yeah, it was... Fender in a blender. <laughs> that was that was a weird one. And then the, the other commentators had to question it because the siren had gone. Yeah. The other commentators were like, did you just say Defender in a blender? Can you imagine being in a box with that man? I don't want to. No. <laughs> No. Might catch Dwayne. I'm not worried about COVID. (laughs) (laughs) So we talked about it at the start, or not really. Uh But West Coast's position on those players who went to that nightclub is so all over the shop because the players obviously did something stupid, but footballers love doing things that are stupid. Mm -hmm. So I agree the players did the wrong thing. That's not in question here, I don't think. But when West Coast came out and said there were no explicit rules against it, and it obviously it's that eight-day break, and most teams say that if you've got that break, anything within seven days, probably not, but before it, you're okay. They didn't break any of the club rules. One of them, I think only one of that group caught COVID, of the seven that were there, or eight, which could happen at a supermarket because everyone else at West Coast has COVID, and they didn't go to the hippie bar that night. Mm-hmm. And they gave them the 5,000, which is the maximum club imposable fine you can give. I hate the suspended or half. Yeah, that's dumb as well. You either find someone or you don't. But I just feel like... They're so all over the shop with everything this year, West Coast. Um, the messaging was the worst part, I think. Mm-hmm. But not just the fact that it probably isn't punishable anyway. Maybe make rules on your players before punishing them. But it was the messaging all week that was up and down. They did the wrong thing. They didn't do anything wrong. Uh, but now we're finding them $5,000. And even the Players Association came out today and was like, you can't do that. Like, that's not how it works. Um, for a club that's already meant to be in a, heading into a rebuild, it's not going to help you keep players creating that kind of like a culture nope. where the players don't know what's going on. And I think we talked about it the other day, um, off air, obviously, um, talking about the bottom five sides and their rebuild prospects. Yeah. West Coast haven't started yet. No. They, and they're at the bottom. Uh, yeah. They're, they're not doing well. No. Um, and I know a lot of that is injury and COVID. It's but even next year, effort. it's hard to see. They'll be better, but it's hard to see that they'll be much better. No, and obviously you lose some important players who are getting on, but Kennedy's still kicking goals. Hearn's still good off half-back. 
Um, and they're the ones they're going to lose. Yeah. That's the biggest issue. Yeah. The players have been playing really well. It's, it's the senior um, even players. Even McGovern, who's he'd be 30, 31. He'll play for a couple He'll play for years. a couple more years, but like that's not part of your future, and they're your best players still. It's, it's players like Kelly and Gaff and uh, Sheed who are... I wonder if West Coast looks back now and goes, maybe we should have taken pick six for Gaff when Melbourne offered it. Melbourne got Langdon instead, which is just... Could have changed, could have changed history. Oh, well, they might have even won that grand final nope. had they had Gaff instead of Langdon. Langdon has become a the best wingman in the country. McLuggage is the challenger. But, yes. like, Langdon's playing insane football. Um, West Coast should have taken that deal in hindsight. Yeah, um, I think so. I think... And I feel like that's part of Gaff's application there. I don't think he wants to be at West Coast. Um, I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, but that's just my thoughts. Yeah. Um, other side of the ladder. No, not really. Going to North Melbourne now. Yeah, one, one spot up. <laughs> um, their rebuild uh, has started. Um, Supposedly. And I was watching on the couch. Yeah. Uh, and it was a slog. But they were talking about 2013 Melbourne mm-hmm. compared to today's North Melbourne. Yes. Both teams at round eight had the same amount of wins and losses and the exact same amount of percentage. And they were saying only three players from that list went on to play in Mel- Melbourne's premiership, which was wow. Gorn, Viney, and Tom McDonald. Yeah. Um, no one else from that list went on to play in the premiership. And game. they asked Nick Rewalt. So eight, eight years though, isn't it? Eight years. That's a, that's a reasonable space. But, yeah, no. but bear with me. They asked Nick Rewalt, what players do you think in North Melbourne's team could play in a premiership if they have a Melbourne-like rise? Yeah. And he said there were only two that he could think of, and that was Mackay and Horn Francis. And I sat there and I thought... So this leads into exactly what I think we wanted to talk about yeah, anyway. I think North Melbourne's list is in a much better position than people think it is. I totally agree. And I think their issue is their senior players. And I'm just going to go through a list here. I think Horn Francis, Davis Uniac. Simpkin, Powell, Phillips, Larky, Mackay, all players that can be built around for eight plus years. One I want to add to that is another one they're not playing, is Charlie Common. Ah, I'm getting there. Yep, sorry. (laughs) Taron Thomas also has a really high ceiling, who I didn't mention there. Stevenson's only 23 Mm -hmm. and has proved that in a good side, like Collingwood in his first season, he can be the green. Even in patches for North, he's been incredible. He was one of their best players last year. Yeah. even Zerhar's 23. Yes. And I might not be Zerhar's biggest fan, but he shows something. Yes. Um, that's, what, 10-plus players right there? Not to mention the fact that their ruck stocks right now are set. Mm-hmm. They've got uh, Sherry, uh, Colin Jones. Jones, and Combin. Yeah. They've got three really good yes. developing young ruckmen. Yeah, they're playing Goldstein every week. Which is, I guess that's part of it because they want as much senior experience in the team as possible, but that's... But when you end up, like I said, they were about a year older than Fremantle on the weekend Mm -hmm. and had about, I think it was like eight games more experience per average player, and you lose by that much. Why are you playing the experience in those games then? Because, and I heard, um, I think Riley Beveridge said it early early this week, which was, if you're already that bad, you can't get worse by playing the kids. Like, you're not, your morale for your fans Mm -hmm. is going to be better losing games like that with a young side than it is losing games like that with a whole host of over 30s playing. And I think people want to see, or people, I, I want to see it, Powell, Phillips, uh, Horn Francis and David Zuniak in the middle. were two of their better players last year. And it's, now they're destined to VFL for most of this year. They're not even being listed as the many subs. And, like, surely you want a kid coming on who's got run in their legs and some aspiration to be in the team. No offence to Josh Marnie, who I think is a reasonable footballer, mm-hmm. but that's a Phillips or a... Powell job if they're not playing in the 22. It's just why were they playing 
so many games last season if they're just not playing it this year. Especially such top-end picks. Mm -hmm. And you look at, and look, Josh Walker's been an absolute journeyman, but if you're in a side again that's rebuilding, a player that's a three-club player playing just a respectable role isn't what you need in that side. You want kids who are getting exposure. You want people who are going to learn that position. And they've got, I think it's uh, McGuinness playing in the VFL who looks like he will come on, but I think he's still a bit too raw, um, which is why they're probably going with... Yeah, um, Walker and McIver. Didn't they play Walker forward last week? Yeah, well, they played him in and out. They played him forward at the start and then got rolled and put him back. It's very um, strange. Um, and obviously, Larky to come back. He's going to be yes. great for them. He, you build a team around players like that. Mm-hmm. Um, if they don't yeah, tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> it was yuck. Um, but the thing is, like, you look at the one that stands out for me is, and I understand why they did it, because it looked like a steal, is Greenwood. I think Greenwood's fine. It's a weird player to put in that side, because he's, but he's taking Powell and Phillips' spot in the midfield. That's fair. And you don't want that. Like I think he, of the experienced players, though, he's been one of them. He's, playing, he's the only person who's tackling for them. I think he's the, one of only three players in that team averaging more than two tackles a game. It'll be him, Juan Francis, and... Simpkin? Maybe. Yeah, so I, I, I don't remember the exact players, but yeah, yeah. I saw that. So it's like one of only three averaging more than two tackles a game. That's abhorrent Pathetic. at AFL level. Yeah. Especially when some teams average 80 or so tackles Especially when North Melbourne are second to the ball so much. Yes. They, they're losing the disposal and the tackles, and that's... They didn't look like they wanted to be near Frio on the weekend. And obviously a bit came out in the news over the past day or whatever about uh, David Noble and his address and his apology yeah. and the game plan being too difficult. I don't understand what's difficult about their game plan. It I looks think, very basic. I think they just need to work on their defensive effort. Yes. I think It's the second efforts and the running backwards. In the... this position, at the second last on the ladder, only because there's a COVID team, um, they need to literally strip the game plan, plan back to let's work out the zone well, defence. And let's apply defensive in- effort for as long as we can in games. to talk about that, because that leads me into another team I want to talk about for a similar reason, Ooh. which is GWS. Ooh. That game on the weekend, after a huge win for them that looked like they were coming back into some form, they got Toby Green back, they looked like a better side, they monstered Adelaide, monstered them, and then went up against Geelong, who showed, when Frio played them last week, showed that if you play a really good defensive press, it makes their running game style that they've developed this year mm-hmm. with all the handballs through the middle, which looks really good when it's on, it makes it really hard to play. Yep. And GWS were metres away from Geelong players all game. There was a few times where, you know, your Guthries and your Dangerfields broke through players because they do that. But there was other the handball that went out after that had no pressure on it all day. And you it's... wonder where... This is a team that made a grand final a couple mm-hmm. of years ago and looked great that season. And there's not enough changes to justify what's happened. It's It's been GWS for many years now. It's a, a because team of champions they've, they've, not a champion team. Like the look at, I look at the players they've lost. And obviously Davis this year is a big one, mm-hmm. but he's still at the club. And they performed poorly last year with him at the club. The players they've lost now are Cameron and Finlayson, who are forwards. The ball's not getting up there for them, mm-hmm. but the engine room's not working. And the forward line doesn't matter if the engine room's not working. They had two rucks on the weekend who were rucks. And they got made look silly by a utility player who's a wingman slash defender. Yeah. Um, there's just there was no effort. There was no defence. It was a really ugly game to watch. And I went back and watched the highlights, thinking maybe I just wasn't paying attention because I was a bit tired. I'd had a long weekend. Um, and I watched the highlights, and I was bored by the highlights because even the highlights weren't it? exciting because there was no pressure. pressure. The goals weren't kicked under pressure. The, there was no big marks. It was a really dull game of football. And I think you can give some credit to West Coast, oh. North and uh, Adelaide because there were pressure in those yes. games. Yes, Were There was pressure in those games. And I I will, I, like, you could tell that obviously Geelong outcoached GWS. And yeah. I think that's also a big problem. I do want to talk year. to you about that. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, they played the old game style. They did. They, yeah. And there's no two ways around it. And they I don't care what football. Chris Scott's trying to hide in the media, which no. is so bizarre. That's 100% what they did. And that, I don't understand the instruction. Especially backwards of centre. Um, forward of centre, the handball game was on a bit more. Yep. But that was because Junior Burst weren't putting any pressure on. No. And the old game style looks fast when there's no pressure. Just... But yeah, back of centre, it was last year's mark and kick. 142 marks for the game, which is the highest I think any team has recorded this year. It's a lot of marks. But the thing is, obviously, there was that huddle after the game, which I have no problem with. They would do yep. that on the ground or down in the rooms. Mm. It's whatever. Every single player saying they don't remember what Chris Scott was saying, I don't buy any of that No, there was all. clearly something said. He's probably just like, I said I wasn't going back on the game plan. We've done it. We won. Don't say a single word. Yeah. There's, We're back to the game chips, plan next There's week. chips and yeah. sausage rolls down in like, the rooms for you if you th- want them. This was a, yeah, I think it was like a, this was a we're missing. Stanley, Selwood, like a bunch of players that are really important to our integral game plan. Um, Henry being one of the biggest yeah. ones. And just kind of went, maybe after a big loss last week, like emotionally big, like losing at home to Fremantle um, when they've won there twice ever, yep. would feel big to the club. They went, maybe we just try and m- mitigate the damage this week. And just play what we know, but it just doesn't look good. Like it. But that's the thing. Why is it a problem for Geelong to have multiple game stars? Yeah, and that's especially that's good one coaching. Of Chris Scott's biggest criticisms, which is always wrong, because all all coaches have several plan Bs yeah. and whatever. His um, problem was he would play don't the, pull the same trigger early enough all game until the last quarter, and he's like, you know what, just go wild, and then Geelong would pile on seven goals and sometimes win. More often than not, yeah. win. Why don't why don't you pull that trigger at halftime? Yeah, and that but they've been playing that game plan, and that's been great. Mm-hmm. And you wonder why you don't do the opposite. Like if that game plan's not working, pull the trigger back the other way instead of playing a whole trying to play a whole game one way or the other. I feel like it might be easier to come back than it is to clamp. Yeah, down. but I, I think it is easier to come back. I think yeah. that's a pretty proven thing in footy. When you get on a roll, to hold off a comeback yeah. is harder than to do one. Absolutely. Once a team is coming back into a game, and that's been a really impressive thing about. Um, you will love this, but Carlton this yep. year, and especially something that they couldn't do before, is when a team comes back at them, I think all three of those teams that came back at them hit the lead this year as well. Yes, they did. Oh, I don't think Bulldogs did. No, the Bulldogs didn't, and they should have. But, yeah, the way both Hawthorne and Port hit the lead mm-hmm. and Carlton wrenched that back has been really impressive, and that's what good teams are able to do. Um, and yep. you've seen that a lot. And Melbourne did that game against Geelong last year. Mm-hmm. Um, when Gorn kicked that goal, Geelong stormed back at them, hit the lead, and then Melbourne went, ah, no. Yeah. And that's a sign of a really mature team, is that you don't crumble under that pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of a lot, most teams do. When, when those five or six goals get piled on in a row, Hawthorne fell apart. It's demoralised. When Essendon did it to them on the weekend. Like, yep. Hawthorne just that's a great example. Shreds. Um, and that'll come for them. I think oh, Sam Mitchell was a great He's clearly a good coach. Um, he had them for three quarters of that game. Yep. They lost Frost. They already had no Jath. It was Sicily trying to man the back line basically on his own. Which, to be fair, he did a pretty good job. He, he, did, yeah, <laughs> he still played a pretty good game. Um, but, yeah, that, that was where they fell apart, and, and Essendon's forwards finally had a chance to shine, and they did. And, and Wright and Francis both kicked bags, um, particularly in that last term, and it, it led to a win. But it's it's hard um, mm-hmm. to stop that when a team's on a run because their confidence is high and you're panicking mm-hmm. and you can't throw a player behind the ball anymore like you used to be able to to stop those runs. And that's the purpose of the rule. It does make football more exciting. makes it hard to coach. It's, it's difficult because you can pull your wingman back, but that leaves them one extra at the contest. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's rare. Um, and it's easier like Geelong Ooh. did when they uh, lost to Fremantle. They put all four of their halfbacks Right up at the 50 line, and as soon as the ball was bounced, they ran straight in. And it worked against Collingwood. They came back and won that game. Almost came back and beat Freo when they had no right to. No right. 
Um, and yeah, and that's why it is easier because like when you've got that confidence and the team, I think it must be so liberating as a player to be told that um, you do you. We know we've probably lost this game, so any errors you make aren't high pressure anymore. Yeah. I think the freedom that puts on players is massive. And you see that with like some of those kicks that players bite off like yep. through the corridor that hit a ridiculous target. And it must be so frustrating for a coach to watch players make kicks like that in those situations and knowing that that's in them. I think we've said it before. I'd rather lose by two goals trying than one goal. Yeah, we'd rather lose by many goals trying. Like, it, mm. And that's where we've seen games this year, teams have been down by five goals and just shut up shop to protect percentage. That's the most boring kind of football mm. And I think it. that uh, this is me speaking from just a Geelong fan. We <laughs> never do that. They never go, oh, well, we've lost. Except for maybe against Sydney mm. when everyone didn't want to pop any hamstrings from oh, having to spend yeah, an hour well, off the ground. That's, but that's an exception due to that stupid... The A for letting everyone on the ground and they're not clearing them off. It was a great moment. It was, but... and it will be remembered forever. But the the organisation and planning was a bit more. Um, I think we've had a few weeks of uh, obviously missing and we stormed through last week. So we've run a bit of time this week. Um, did you have any topics that you had you wanted to touch on? One more quick one. One more. One quick one to yeah, end. Absolutely. Uh, assuming the top six or seven are set, which after round eight they usually yeah. are, but obviously things can change. Especially this year, which is a, seems really close. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which team out of Richmond, Port and the Bulldogs are most likely to make it? I don't see the Bulldogs winning many more games. I don't either. I think with Keith out and Bruce a long way away, they're in big trouble. they got a key position crisis and that's not going to help them. I want to see Richmond do more against the good side first. That's fair. Uh, I think Port look really good. I totally I, agree. From Port's last quarter against Carlton until the end of this game this weekend, they've looked like Port from last year. They've looked like the team that can put you to the sword. Their midfield is damaging. Their back line is very good. And if they get Dixon back this week and they have Dixon, Finlayson and, and Gray in that forward line, it's dangerous. I think that's forgetting, obviously, uh, generational talent. Todd Marshall, of and course, even and George Yardis. Um, Finlayson, who's been playing really good football, might struggle to keep his spot because there's a really strong tall forward line. It's well, you see the same at Melbourne. We have a bunch of tall forwards. You can't fit them all in. No, um, and that's a good problem to have. And you want players playing for spots. Um, that that creates a better team. That's the whole point of you know having a strong VFL side. Usually results in a premiership. Yeah, you want players putting pressure on each other for those spots, and that's what Port will have if they get some players back from injury. Definitely. Um, yeah, they're, they're it for me. I think that I've mocked them relentlessly when they said, hey, that, you know, we we've started come, We've five. come a long way since, what, episode two or three <laughs> where we were like, ha-ha, Ken Hinckley. Yeah, he was, he was like, oh, you know, we, we've lost the first five, but we'll win the next five. And um, <laughs> the, fifth like one, it. the fifth one's against Geelong. Uh, so I'm, I'm worried that my um, hubris might come back to bite <laughs> That's me, why but... I didn't want to go too hard on GWS this week. <laughs> yeah, but they, um, look, they're looking the goods. Um, I, I'd still say that in Geelong, maybe Geelong have the edge, especially over Port, who they seem to have in recent years, just in yeah. general. But they're looking good. I think they can definitely make it. I think that we've we've mocked relentlessly the whole people go, oh, you know, you lose the first three, you can't make finals, except asterisk, 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 all these teams that especially in the last five Sydney, years zero and six. have made finals. Bulldogs won that premiership that year from one and four. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't mean anything anymore. Um, it's about being fit in the finals. Richmond's premiership years, the two years they made top spot, they didn't win. Like before, like they, they, they don't, you need to be fit at the right time, not throughout the season. Yeah. Melbourne last year were an exception. Their depth was incredible um, and they ran it the whole year. But you look at like Port Adelaide were on top for all 18 rounds of the COVID season and went out in straight sets. Yeah. And then you had Brisbane on top, 
you know, all of a couple of years before that, the Richmond won the Premiership. Legit home games. And then up. you lose a final. You need to be fit in the finals. And yeah. that was... And Adelaide did that in the 90s with their 96 mm-hmm. and 97 premierships. Their game plan was, we're going to do a mini pre-season in the middle of the year, maybe lose three or four games, but we're going to be in the best shape yeah. come finals. And they won from fifth. I wonder if there's conditioning issues with that now. Oh, I think there would be. Geelong tried it a few years ago, 2020. And that was when they got run over in the end of the grand final. That's true. Um, their plan, yeah, and that's they. Oh, yeah, I do remember. They that. dropped a few games that year. They yeah. decided to try a game plan, and in the end, it became too much for them. And I think that's just because the AFL is so much more demanding now that it's harder to do that. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see. Interesting, yeah, but being yeah. fit in finals is the most important thing. I think um, we're. I think we're both bullish. Is that the right word on port? Compared to yeah. where we were a couple yeah, of weeks ago. Yeah, that so changed the, my mind. Yeah. Um, it was really the win on the weekend against the Bulldogs. Even when the Bulldogs challenged and came back, it didn't matter. Um, Port just had an extra level every time. Um, and you have emotional scars after what the Bulldogs did to them. At yeah, home it was good. It final. was really... I, I had them penciled the in for a loss. Bulldogs the first two goals. And it just looked shaky. And then they just steadied. And Robbie Gray is a star. He's um, so good. Ollie Wines... I think he's still underrated by a lot of people. He won the Brownlow last year in an almost record vote season. Some people still, I don't think, understand how good he is and how important he is to that side. No, he had the heart issues. He missed a few weeks. Yeah. He came back in the media and said anti-vaxxers are stupid, which I really appreciated. <laughs> and he's playing such good football. Um, and I think he is very much appreciated by his coaching staff. Yes. Ken Hinckley was talking about him throughout the week and... Um, I think it's it's when a player buys in, it's great for them, like personally, but it also can do really, really the good things for the club. inside game, I know it's always important, but I think it's proving really important this year when you look at the top sides. You mm-hmm. look at how Cripps is playing, you look at how Neil is playing, mm-hmm. how Brody is playing for Fremantle. Those players who are able to get in and under and get that first touch out. But most importantly, shown... get the kick going forward. Yes. There's no sidewards or backwards. They're going forward and that's so the important part. And that's what Port was missing without Wines. They have, mm. they do have a good midfield, but he's the only one that has that same kind of power to get the ball out and the right way and yep. in the right hands and they've been a different team since then. Well, I think they've been better when they put Butters and Rosie through there as well. Yeah, I think a bit of youth forward. Um, in there is a good thing for yep. their midfield mix, but yep. um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, they could betray us, but... Yeah, well, we'll see how they go this week. Um, and then next week. So that's their 5 0 after the oh, He's going to be so one. smug, isn't he? Oh, won't he? Does he pull up the. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Visual podcast. Uh, pull out the, uh, the 0 5 again, like he did for the showdown. Um, well, thanks for joining us again. It's good to be back to regular programming and not have to fly through votes at 100 miles an hour from three weeks we missed. Um, but yeah, uh, we'll hopefully see you next week. There is a cat dipping its face in my glass of water I had to keep my. <laughs> Uh, voice fine for the podcast if there's uh if there's some scratching and uh knocking around of metal bits it was the cat not us yeah uh thanks for joining us we'll see you next week bye